So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. Today we'll review our wonderful victory. No, you weren't dreaming, it actually happened. Still struggling to quite comprehend what I saw. We'll look forward to our return to action at Kingston Park next week with a few fans in the ground, which should be good for anyone who's managed to get themselves a ticket. Um, we'll talk about a couple of other rugby matters and uh, do a roundup of the Premiership results. Um, as always, you can find us on social media. Yep, so um, on Facebook, if you simply type in at Folk on Falcons, you'll see our picture. Uh, Twitter, it's the same picture and the same name. So again, if you search at Folk on Falcons, and if you'd like to send us a direct email, it's folkonfalcons at mail.com. Great. So there's nowhere else to start. What a match. In typical Falcons fashion, we got everyone a bit worried at the start. Half time we were down, and then second half, it clicked finally. We know it could happen, and it happened. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, well, I'll quickly get the worst part away, which was the first 10 minutes where it did look like, you know, sort of, oh, here we go again. It was a bit of a continuation of Gloucester, really. Um, slow off the mark. Conceded early try, gave away, you know, usual sort of unforced and penalties. But after that, we started to get a bit of territory and a bit of grips of the game and got some well, a couple of really good tries after that and started to get control of the game from that point on. And you sort of thought going into half time, um, you know, so obviously it was all well within our hands with them. Falcon special, of course. We have only about 20 seconds left for half time. Um, a needless crossing from Mark Wilson, of all people. And then, of course, concede a penalty from the scrum, which then, of course, leads to a line out, which after a couple of phases of play, they score and go in at half time. Uh, so, you know, for, for what looked like a really, again, a promising position, you move sort of back to square one and thought, here we go again. Um, but I know it's sort of a cliche, but the next score was really important. And frankly, we did get it. And we sort of obviously um, sort of made amends for gifting them the try for half time with Schroeder's nicely taken try after some really good sort of interplay and close passing. Really, again, amongst the forwards, wasn't there? And then they went down to the 14 men and we just took advantage, didn't we? We, you know, we put a really good London Irish side of the sword in that second half. Uh, I think really the only blemish was when we we couldn't we couldn't go a whole game could we without messing up a kickoff and they scored obviously from there and it did get a bit nervy towards the end but I think obviously once Penny took his opportunity really well towards the end and of course obviously Robinson just sort of sealed it as well I mean apart from that it was absolutely brilliant um you know I suppose I wouldn't say it's been threatening to click because you know I think we can't really complain about the results but we know we've kind of had this in our locker we know that if we did get it right if we are able to put a strong team out you know these sort of the the you know the sort of short passing amongst the forwards if we can kind of get that to work um you know it do, it can pay off um again still maybe out wide and a little exposed which i think you know especially having for that paddy jackson kick which was a very good kick through uh and then a couple of other tries as well but generally i mean absolutely fantastic um and i did ask actually um on the supporters club facebook group you know when was the last time we did score seven tries because i couldn't really remember um and i did get a couple of helpful responses uh Last time we had a 50-plus win in the Premiership was in the 2005-2006 season against Leeds. And the last time we scored seven tries uh, was at home to Rotherham in 2003-2004. So there you go. So it didn't happen very often, so let's sort of enjoy it. Uh, but I think the main difference is, as I've said before, you know, this this is a really good London Irish team. Um, the best London Irish team that, for a long time. I mean, they've obviously got a few stars in their team now. So... You know, let's have let's kind of take a step back and look at this in in the in the context that this is in. It's a even though it wasn't a perfect performance, as 
Dean Richards says, it was you know a really really good result, and hopefully we can sort of kick on here and have a really strong finish of the season. Yeah, and another record that um, was broken was apparently it was the first time that in the league Newcastle Falcons have kicked seven conversions in a game. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson did six a couple of times, but um, Conan was superb throughout with the boot from the tee and in hand, and actually it has to be said that even his penalty, um, I think that was the point at which. I finally exhaled because at that point, I think we were about 12 points ahead and those Irish looked like they might be getting back into it, uh, ready to ruin a, our first bonus point match of the season. But fortunately, that, that just put us ahead and I think it knocked the wind out of um, Niger's sails and we went on to get the, the icing on the cake at the end. But um, I think you mentioned it, that we, we, did, we did offloads that worked successfully, but we didn't do a load of passes as we were in contact like we had in the past, which we perhaps criticised for. And also, it was refreshing that every time we got the ball, we didn't just hoof it aimlessly or in the air like we've done so much this season. We kept the ball when we had it. And unsurprisingly, when we kept the ball, we went forward and played rugby. Yeah, um, exactly the same there. Also, what a difference having the two wingers back made. Um, every time they got the ball, they looked a real threat. I mean, Radwan constantly made yards. I mean, even if it wasn't sort of skinning people, even if it's just banging it through the middle, he always made yards. Um, and it's just kind of that momentum, isn't it? We've talked about how insipid sometimes our attack looks um he really really adds them which we know he can do um and stevenson you know brilliant travels and we just sort of boshed him off um and again he always kind of made yards and he was always a threat the whole game and i think we really really miss that dimension i know obviously stevenson's been playing as well but i think having both of them kind of adds something and it just really shows particularly with radwan how much he's kind of come on because he was always obviously the speedster but he has this is locker now where he can just sort of bash it up and, and always kind of make gains um, and that did make a, a real difference I think it also in terms of how the teams defend they know that maybe they can't kind of defend so tight because we've got these two wingers and it all kind of totals up and on top of everyone kind of playing well generally and having the momentum of, you know it's with sport if you score points goals tries you know, it always helps in terms of your momentum, your confidence. And we are starting to score a lot of tries now, still conceding too many, but we're scoring a lot of tries now. And that just breeds confidence. You know, if, you, if you're a team, if you're out there and you you know, even if you aren't winning, but you know you have the ability to, to score tries, then, you know, that's always going to be a help. And that's only kind of been, and that obviously came to a head um, over the weekend where having who would have fought seven tries, but, you know, fairly deserved, wasn't it? Yeah, you mentioned um, Radwan being back. And I, I think it's no surprise that we've lost all our premiership games since he was injured against I think it was Harlequins but defences are terrified of him so they always mark up and it means that when they're constantly tracking where he is it opens up so much space elsewhere on the pitch for other people to exploit we have Burrell going through gaps in the centre Penny going through gaps maybe they take their eye off Stevenson on the other wing because he's not such a maybe uh, he hasn't got such a reputation as Radwan but all of us who've watched all season and in the past know what Stevenson can deliver and once again he delivered it yesterday he's got the pace and he's got the power to to get over and I think that Radwan is a marked man you can see that on the pitch he doesn't have the space like he used to but even when he gets the ball it just seems like when he's been off with his knee injuries got even more powerful every time he gets it he's just a little explosion of energy and he doesn't matter who he runs into he makes yards whether it's 15 stone forward or a 12 stone back or maybe a 15 stone back and a 21 stone forward he he always makes yards and it's just such a, a nice thing to know that when when he has the ball we're going to be on front foot and then the next phase once again and I think we spun the ball a lot wider this week than we have in the past there was almost a confidence about the team um, in the backs when they were passing it along the line that they knew that when it got to the end of it there would be quality on the end and 
We had a very mobile pack as well. We had Robinson in the second row and Peterson. And Peterson, when he got injured, we then ended up with Van der Velt in the second row. So we ended up with five back rows on the pitch at the end of the game. And it was encouraging that in the scrums, we held our own with without any... Well, I guess Robinson is a recognised second row who also plays back row. But... Um, He's, he's not like your big bruiser. He's quite a lean sort of second row. But we weren't going backwards in the scrums, so very encouraging. And uh, it was nice to see Ferns get on the pitch as well, and he didn't make any errors and uh, threw his body around as we know he would. Yeah, yeah. well, he put the shift, made a good impact. I think at one point he was just a bit short, I think, for the try. I think Robinson got at the end. But um, as you say, he was pretty faultless, um, kind of brought to the table what we always thought he would, which is... Always a solid performer and makes yards, and that's exactly what he did. He's only going to get better, I'd hope. Um, I mean, we'll see. It may just be this season he's restricted to sort of cameos like that. He may get the odd start, well, we'll have to see. But yeah, um, I mean, we always thought it'd be a solid signing. I'm sure that that's what it'll turn out to be. And I think it's obviously a nice match for him to sort of make his debut in as well. And I think generally it's also the fact that there's not really any pressure on this, is there? Really, we can kind of just we can just throw the ball about. You know, we don't really have anything to lose particularly at the moment uh, the, all the pressure was actually on Danish, wasn't it in terms of their, their league position um, you know we, we can just kind of do what we want to do do what you know, we can do and that and you know sometimes it, it comes off and that's pretty much what happened yeah it was also quite nice to see the fact they've had a fortnight off it looks like they've definitely been on the training ground working on a few things such as um, the very clever try we scored when we got the five metre line out in the first half where we threw it straight to the front there wasn't a jumper and then everyone piled in and completely caught London Irish off guard there was another move which we used off the back of a line out which the referee actually penalised us for when Schroeder got done for something I, I still can't quite work out how he's offside must have been a technical offence that I'm not clever enough to know what was going on or why it was given but yeah I think that we obviously studied the opposition studied ourselves and we played to our strengths and um, it was nice just to see some good running rugby ball ball moving around offloads support lines and yeah even in the 70th minute we had forwards running support lines and getting offloads away and slick handling it was just nice to see and sort of we've missed for a long time I think yeah well I mean as I say I, I personally won't go as far as say we've been threatening to do it recently because I don't think we have but again like I said Paul we, we know we, we kind of got this in our locker if it kind of all clicks together and, and that's what happened I mean London Irish have had a habit this season of shipping a lot of points away they seem to sort of stop uh, even the home game, though periods, well, their home game rather, we were away. Um, though periods were sort of, we were really on top, um, and they showed that again today. Uh, well, over the weekend, um, and you know, I think in the the yellow card didn't help them. I think it kind of fell apart for them then. It was it was always obviously up to that point a pretty close game and we were ruthless in that period and in the end that that was a difference also i guess to show how sort of well colin did i mean paddy jackson in my opinion is probably playing is i know people like to say marcus smith but paddy jackson personally in my opinion is the best fly half in the league at the moment um and you know there he was he was missing kicks and i did wonder you know when he missed a couple and think oh you know it seems to be a pretty close game how crucial is that going to be and Connor was slapping them over left right and centre as it turned out it didn't really matter but uh, yeah I think the, their sort of capitulation really did help us but you can only play what's in front of you and that was also obviously partly down to just how good we were at times it was just, I think Connor's performance is the best I've seen him play he came on the scene three or four years ago now and he always looked like he might just be able to get there but it never quite happened then he also had a lot of issues at the start of this year with his confidence with, uh, particularly with kicking whereas now it just looks like he's confident in what he's doing he was, as you said he was slotting kicks left right and centre he was brilliant 
and it was really encouraging. And I know the the Falcons are going for this big push, as they've called it, to finish in the top eight. Um, and we certainly need him playing on the, in this sort of form to be able to do that. And fingers crossed it continues the rest of the season. Well, we've said it before, you know, if you want to be a successful rugby team, you've got to have a decent kicker. We know he's got that ability. He's shown it time and time again in sort of spurts. Um, but for some reason, well, well, for whatever reason this season, it just hasn't happened. But yesterday sort of showed what, what he can bring to the table. Um, and yeah, I've just, I guess we've just got to hope that he keeps going for the rest of the season and kind of, well, is more consistent into next season. I think the only thing he did wrong, wasn't he, was again in that sort of first 10-minute period where he failed to reach touch with his penalty. But apart from that, you know, it was just absolutely faultless performance, probably the best fly-off performance I've seen for someone playing a Falcon shirt for, for quite a while, I guess. As I just alluded to, there's this kind of top eight goal that kind of, don't really know where it came from because I know that we've mentioned the season about the top six being the Heineken Cup spots but it transpires it's actually the top eight and I, I don't know whether we've just completely missed it but um, I tried to research when it was when the format for next year's Heineken Cup was released and it seems that this year because of COVID they've said the top eight went into it and then this this week it's material I've, I've seen that it's the top eight this season goes to next year as well. So the top eight is certainly manageable. The top six, I think, is pushing it a bit, but the top eight is by by no means out out the equation in terms of high cup qualification. Yeah, I mean, mathematically, we're, we're in the running uh, and we do have some winnable games coming up. I mean, no reason why, I guess, why we can't target Northampton, though it'll be very tough. We do have Worcester to play where, you know, you well, due respect to us, we've got to be looking for a win there. So you never know. I, I guess we're still in the mix, and I think we'll have to have results go our way, and we'll have to be, you know, pretty much faultless. Um, but you know, well, let's see what happens. I mean, you know, we never thought we'll stuff London Irish, so who knows? Um, we just have to sort of keep our fingers crossed and, and hope for the best, really, won't we? Indeed. If we look ahead to Northampton, um, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how they were kind of one of the informed teams in the league, and they're putting points on it, seemingly anyone that came up against them. But they got battered by Gloucester yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, again, Northampton is one of these funny teams, aren't they? Where you're not you don't quite know what you're getting there and all these teams are sort of in spurts seem to do really well and they got themselves a great position there in the top four weren't they and then uh, you, then it also is yeah it will be for them obviously a very disappointing and maybe a bit devastating loss under Gloucester but you know Gloucester are a good side we've said all season not to underestimate them and that league position was, was a false one and uh, I guess having said that though it was frustrating as to the manner that we lost to them because I think if we won that you know we'd still be ahead of Gloucester we'll be ahead of Wasps and you know we'll be things would be looking actually pretty rosy all things considered um but you know we know what a good team Gloucester on they obviously have some very good players and then a few Lions players now but um yeah as I say with Northampton you're not quite sure sort of what to expect and I, I no reason why we kind of can't fancy our chances um next Monday um obviously we're the home team win back for a really good win you know I don't think we can write them off they, they themselves obviously are, are a really good team and with fans allowed back in the stadium, um, hopefully they have something to shout about because if the performance is even half what we saw yesterday, then very good, very promising, I think. Yeah, well, I hope that does give us quite a good advantage, actually, because you would hope, and I guess expect to an extent, the players to really kind of step up now there is a crowd, and surely that's kind of going to go in our favour. Um, obviously, they've got to do the job on the pitch, but uh, you know, I think we can be confident going into Northampton as well, as you mentioned, the fact we'll have a, a few supporters behind us as well. Yeah, what's the current situation with the ballot for the ticketing? Have you have you heard anything yet or not? So I believe it was a case of 
you had to have been contacted. So um, I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember now if it was you had to be a season ticket holder from last season or a season ticket holder from this season or one or the other. Um, but I think the club sort of contacted you um, and then you were given your chance to take up the, the offer of buying a ticket. Uh, I mean, they haven't been put on general sale. I assume that they've been brought up because... You know, having an answer, we've got X amount of tickets spare, which I mean is only fair enough. You know, as we've said before, I think if they were to do any sort of ballot, obviously season ticket holders, one way or another, would would have to get priority. That obviously what's happened. So another bit of rugby news this week was the announcement of the Lions squad. Not too many surprises. It was quite nice to see our academy production line delivering um, with Chris Harris's inclusion. Not sure what it necessarily said two years ago when he went off to, to play at Gloucester that we'd be expecting to see him in a Lions shirt, but um, fair play to him. He's managed to pull it off. Uh, yeah, I was absolutely bemused by that one. Uh, unless I'd be sort of missing something. Um, surely if he's not sort of Lions quality, but uh, but there he is. I mean, I know he had a you know, perfectly decent Six Nations where with Scotland obviously performed really well, but, but really? Sort of in a, a Lion? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't Think, I wouldn't imagine you'd have him anywhere starting in the, the test squad. So it seems to me a bit of an odd inclusion because if you're not, if you're picking a player who really won't get near the test squad, what, why are you sort of picking him? Maybe a bit of influence from Gregor Townsend there. Um, I was a bit shocked actually. I know many others were about Sexton actually. Um, I would have always, I've, you know, on his day he's absolutely brilliant, and I thought, you know, if you're going to pick a line, I, I get, you know, you want to have a balance, but surely you can find a place for Sexton um, I would have thought at the end of the day you want to bring your best players and I just think sort of what he can bring to the table especially in a half-back partnership with Murray potentially um, you know it's, it's still ugly you know I know they're getting on a bit but it's still ugly the best half-back partnership in the world so I, I thought that was a really odd decision um, I thought the forwards was pretty much what I thought it was going to be uh, but yeah I think for me personally it was only the surprises were sort of in, in the backs as well and of course, he still had the, the Saracens players selected, which I guess in some ways wasn't a surprise. And even with Daly, who hasn't been, as we've said many times, the best in the best form the past few months, um, I my opinion is that he's been put in there because of his, you know, the easy utility backing play. Most places out there in the backs, and he's a he's a goal kicker as well. And I guess you know that, that's always a sort of option. And maybe that sort of got him over the line. But I think about I would say about ninety five percent of it was what I probably would have expected, really. Yeah, you say he's a utility back, but I'd much rather just have a good back that was good in one position than Elliot Daly. But I think that's probably also probably the reason why Courtney Law slipped in there because he can play in the back row as well. He was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people, me included. But um, yeah, he's solid in the second row, and yeah. He plays number six quite well. Looking at the squad, it looks like he might be trying to go for the beat South Africa up tactic, which, if I'm honest, may not be the best one. I think I'd have rather seen a team where we decided we're going to try and play around them, not through them, because you can't play through South Africa. Yeah, I think overall, nothing too unexpected. I'd say probably Daly's the one that's really annoyed me the most. And with Chris Harris, I think that he's obviously a good player. Scotland played well in the Six Nations, so he obviously had a bit more prominence, but I don't know whether it's a bit of Emperor's New Clothes with the punditry or what, but I don't know if I'm missing something. But when he is in defence, everyone says his defence is wonderful, but for me, he always ends, well, half the time he's out of position and he opens his shoulders up and gets sidestepped. In the World Cup against Japan, he got skinned a couple of times by the, the Japanese in the match where Scotland got knocked out. A couple of the tries were directly his fault, in my view. And it's, no, it's a, a strange one. I can't imagine the South African centres are going to be quaking in their boots with him opposite them. Yeah, well, it's exactly that. I mean, 
but when you're picking the squad, I would have thought, you know, generally you want to pick who are the best players, and I just don't think Chris Harris is is, in, is around there. I mean, I know England were, were pretty bad in the Six Nations, but I would actually rather have Slade. I think he's well, he's a better player. I think he, I think he offers more as well. I think it's you know he, he also is kicking. He has that option as well in terms of kicking out of hand, which Chris Harris doesn't have. And it's yeah, I just find it's a really odd one. Um, I think, like I say, Tanzas possibly had, possibly had a bit of an influence there. Um, another one which is, I think a bit of a surprise was Johnny Hill. Um, I, I know obviously he's very good for Exeter, and you know he's won everything left, right, and centre for them. But for England, he was pretty poor. I mean, every time he made sort of his cameo appearance, he would just give away penalty after penalty. Um, obviously, that hasn't counted against him. Gatlin's obviously seen something in him which he can add to the squad. But I think in terms of forwards, that was sort of my main surprise. Um, the, the rest, I think, was... Uh, you mentioned Courtney Laws as well, but I think, personally, for me, it was always sort of in contention. Um, it was sort of maybe a 50-50. But, yeah, I, I think yeah, Hill's a bit of a funny one, really. I'm glad to see Simmons has got selected. Um, it's going to be interesting whether he starts or not, but if I'm honest, I'd love to see him absolutely tear it up because I think that'll be a good two fingers to Eddie Jones. And and I was a bit surprised to see Vinopola included. He didn't do wonderfully in the Six Nations. He's playing... Championship rugby this season. What is it that Gatland sees in him that he doesn't see in somebody else who's playing week in, week out at the highest level? It, was, it threw me a bit that one. I actually thought, in terms of uh, the front rowers, if there were going to be any English front rowers, I actually thought it would probably be George and Vunapola. Uh, I thought probably you would pick him because of his reputation anyway, but I do genuinely think that I know he's obviously playing sort of lower tier rugby at the moment, but I do think genuinely Vunapola is probably one of the best props in the world um, I didn't think Sinclair would, would get in and that's what happened but I, I did actually think Vunapola was was going to get picked so I do think actually even in the Six Nations I thought he was still pretty good um, I do think he's probably one of the best front rows in the world still One other one that's a bit funny in the selections is um, Van der Meer. not saying he shouldn't be going there on merit but um, basically he's just getting a free plane ticket at home isn't he? Three and a half years ago he was a South African living in South Africa not a chance that he was ever going to be considered for the Lions. He then gets his uh, Scottish residency, plays a few games for them, and on the plane home. Yeah, um, again, yeah, I suppose that is a funny one. Um, but you know, I cre- credit to him, I suppose. I mean, he's going by the rules. I mean, that, that's fine. Um, and I suppose on merit, he's probably deserved it. I mean, Six Nations, you're certainly one of the best wingers. And I, I, I funny enough, actually, on a slight sort of side note, I've noticed he's of course going to Worcester next season. Um, so I mean they they're sort of heavily recruiting actually. Um, I notice he he's going there, so um, be interesting to see him in the Premiership as well actually. But yeah, I mean going back to to Lions, um, yeah, I mean I don't think it was unexpected, but as you say, I mean it's it's sort of a funny curiosity that one sort of playing against his his countrymen. And as you said, I said, mean, three years ago would have expected to be you know anywhere near uh, a Lions tour back to his homeland, but but there we are. Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that he's. Um going off to Worcester, he's probably going to end up in the situation where he spends the first two and a bit decades of his life in South Africa, spends three years in Scotland, then he's probably going to end up playing for more than three years for Worcester. And uh, I think it does make a bit of a mockery out of it, to be honest. But it seems like most people who've done an undergraduate degree in Scotland will end up being more Scottish than Van der Meer, but there we go. Just to finally wrap up this week, um, we'll quickly go over the other scorelines from elsewhere in the Premiership. So on Friday night, Sale convincingly beat Leicester 26 points to 10. Then obviously we had our wonderful 52 points to 27 victory at London Irish, over London Irish. Um, Northampton 
7, Gloucester 31. Exeter thrashed Worcester 41-10, no surprises there. Um, Bristol beat Bath 40 points to 20 in the West Country derby. And then um, absolute cracker today at the Stoop. Harlequins coming out 48-46 victors over Wasps. But um, something else in that match was Mike Brown getting a straight red card. He'd already been yellow cards in the game, but he got a straight red for um, accidentally on purpose treading on someone's head. So I can see he landed with quite a long suspension as well, I think. Um, so it might, may well have been his last match in um, Harlequin's colours. Just have to hope that his suspension um, doesn't carry forward into next season, or so it'll be a bit of a, a pain. But um, hopefully he just gets um, a few, a few week ban, not um, a few months ban. So as the table stands, um, Bristol on top with 71, followed by Exeter with 63, and then Sale with 59, joint with Harlequin's also on 59. Northampton in fifth on 50, with London Irish behind them on 43. Bath have 41. Leicester have 39. Wasps have 38. Gloucester have 36. We have 35. And Worcester are quite a way away now with only 21. So it's looking like at this point we can kind of say that barring a Houdini performance by Worcester, they're going to finish bottom. But what's quite frustrating is the fact that we're only, what's that, four points behind Leicester in eighth? There's a few games this year that we've certainly let go where we're in positions where we felt we should have potentially won them and it'll be so frustrating if um, we end up at the end of the season only four points behind eighth position because we know that we've let a couple get away from us um, it's quite encouraging actually that if we get a couple of wins together then we'll be right up there in probably seventh or eighth position if um, other scores go our way so yeah certainly um, looking promising for the rest of the season if we can keep the current form going yeah well it's as we touched for isn't it I mean we can just sort of hopefully take heart from the result yesterday and just kind of push on and just do the best we can you know there's there's nothing kind of riding on us really you know let's just play a bit of confidence just play without fear i suppose um just do absolutely best we can i mean very worst you know let's like i mean we need to take everything into context as well i mean we've what all right if you, if you include the covid win we've had seven wins this season um yes that may even if we get one or maybe two more wins we could still finish 11 but again if we take that into context you know, for, for Falcons to, have to get seven wins in a season over recent years have been pretty good going. So, you know, let, let's kind of at least use the end of the season as a, as a good platform going into, into next season, really. Let's kind of just end the season on a high. Um, it's been very much obviously a season of up and downs, but this is an opportunity to just kind of go for it and just kind of put a smile on everyone's faces. Yeah, and um, also I think that if we turn over teams like London Irish in the manner that we did it's certainly going to help with recruitment over the summer if perhaps uh, players overseas look at the premiership and they see the teams playing well and playing good rugby then it's only going to be a good thing when it comes to a bit of recruitment yeah exactly and I think you know we still have to sort of you know, we don't know if relegation is going to be abolished or not, but we have to assume that it's not until told otherwise. And, you know, as we've touched on before, Worcester have been recruiting pretty heavily. I think they're clearing out 20 players and they're, they're kind of bringing quality over quantity. Um, so, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's like all these things. It's a bit of an arms race. You know, we have to kind of compete with that. We can't kind of take our wins for granted, um, even if Worcester are going to finish sort of really cut off adrift at the bottom. Um, that's got to be our target is to, better Worcester um so yeah I mean the better we can do the better the club looks the the, the more confidence is in the club but yeah and you talk about attracting players you know if players are watching us week in week out getting really good wins you know 
Brown himself comments, you know, he's obviously been really impressed with the the, the way we've won games and, and the amount of games we've won. And, you know, wins breeds confidence, doesn't it? It makes every it makes the club look better, it makes everyone happier, and let's just kind of hope that that continues, really. Certainly, certainly. So um, we've been a bit more upbeat and cheerful this week, and hopefully um, we can report back in similar vein um, after our match next Monday night. So it's goodbye from me. Bye, everyone.